This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MVFC First and Gold Podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and diving right in today with the new North Dakota State head football coach, Matt Entz. Coach, how are you this morning? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Hard to believe, but you have now been in your new role at North Dakota State as the head coach for almost six months. So what's been a few of the biggest realizations so far? Well, the biggest realization is the just day-to-day getting away a little bit from the football side of it, the X and O's, and and having to uh, get more involved with some of the off-field events, uh, uh, speaking engagements, golf outings, fundraising events that uh, when I was just a defensive coordinator, I, I maybe attended but had less to do with the, the setup or or maybe the program that of that day. You had said in your introductory presser that your, your goal for 20 years had – been to be a head coach and so now that that it's a reality how does it measure up to all that you'd envisioned over the last 20 years it's exactly what I was hoping it was going to be uh unbelievably excited to be uh, the head football coach at a program like North Dakota State uh unbelievable you know support not only from our community but our administrators uh President Dean Bashani is a football person football fan uh, I think that's critical in, in our with our program, but uh, uh, it, it, it's been enjoyable. We've got a great staff, and, and we're excited. We know the summer's going to go quick, and, and that season's going to be here before we know it. What's been the part that you've enjoyed the most so far? I think putting together a staff was enjoyable. Um, you know, throughout the my 25 years of college coaching, you create relationships with a number of different coaches, and uh, probably in the back of your mind or on a piece of paper, maybe shoved in the back of your of your drawer, you're always, man, what ifs? And if I ever get to be a head coach, this is a guy I'd like to see, or, or here's another, you know, gentleman that I'd like to have on my staff. Uh, that was enjoyable. And, and to see that transition then with our players, uh, I think was critical through spring ball. Uh, it was probably two of the, the more enjoyable parts so far of being that football coach. Speaking of, of the new staff members, so you, you have five new assistants and then you have some guys that were on the, the pre-existing staff that are in a little bit different roles. So what's been the most important part about integrating everybody together and especially learning the, the new coaching styles that have come aboard? Well, I think the, the, first and, the first thing that was probably the most important was making sure that as far as communicating within our staff, uh, that there needed to be some consistency. And, uh, you know, we, we put it on our new coaches to learn our terminology rather than coming in here and trying to change terminology. We wanted to keep it consistent for our, our 110 players rather than change it for a couple coaches. That was probably the number one thing, but also to try to give our coaches some autonomy. Uh, you know, our, our new offensive coordinator has been here for a number of years. Tyler Roll uh, ha- has a great feel of what we've done offensively. Uh, and, and, you know, has some new ideas maybe on how we can tweak things or change things going into 2019. Uh, and my challenge for David Braun, who became our defensive coordinator, was first, hey, allow yourself to learn what we do before you start trying to, to reinvent the wheel or to polish the wheel too much. Uh, I think it's critical. That was That's where I was, you know, five, six years ago as a new D coordinator. It, it took me a little bit to, to have a great grasp of what we did defensively, and I needed to allow myself to learn it 
um, and then to master it before I wanted to go in and start changing things. You have a young team. And I think I heard you say it, it's sort of a race to maturity when you have a group like that. And so where did the biggest growing up come with that group in spring ball? Well, I thought it came the last couple of weeks, probably the last three weeks of spring ball. Uh, one, they just they, they started to become more familiar with what we did offensively and defensively. You go back to the fall, a lot of these young kids that we're going to rely on next year were scout team guys. Uh, they were scout team members and did a great job, but they, they had moved away from from our terminology. They moved away from uh, our playbooks and, and, and were rep- trying to represent the the opponents and so yeah. this spring took a little bit of time to get them back into it but I thought the last three weeks we started to create some really good depth uh, on the defensive line I like the the, the the back end of the of the defense and the secondary I thought we did a nice job uh, excited about our running backs I think we have great tight ends coming back next year and coach Blazek did an excellent job with our offensive line I think we're, we're we, we feel comfortable to say that we're too deep there You've been a defensive coordinator previously for five years. So what's been the process of of developing deeper relationships with your offensive players looked like off the field? Well, just trying to have have more communication. That's the number one thing and and get to know their story a little bit. You know, for years I was tucked in the defensive staff room and and worried about one side of the football and and probably a little bit of the special teams. Uh, And and even to be honest, I probably watched very little – offensive football, even during games. Uh, it was always talking to our players, making sure that our adjustments were ready, our communication was right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a little bit of growth. Uh, I've always had kind of an idea of, of what the plays were from, a, from a, a verbal standpoint, but now to understand how they all work together and try to give them a little bit of feedback on, hey, defensively, this is what we see or, or how we would you know, maybe counter that play. Have Have you had that moment yet? Because now that you're almost six months in, I know it, it's just mass craziness the first couple of months trying to assemble the staff and, you know, like you said, get to know the offensive players better and then getting ready for spring ball. But have you had that moment yet where you've, you've sat back for a second, taken a deep breath and just kind of had that aha moment like, okay, wow, this is this is my life now and this is, you know, what what I had hoped for for so long. Well, the, the only moment that I can think of, our first day of spring ball, we, we Coach Kramer, our strength coach, warmed our guys up. They all went to their individual, and it was the first time in five years, or in probably 25 years, I was the only guy left in the middle. <laughs> I didn't have a position group to go with. or uh, and, and so that was probably one of the moments where it was just different for me. And, you know, kind of a, a eye-opening moment where, you know, I'm the head coach now. I don't have necessarily my hands in everything, but I do need to be aware of what's going on within the program. Has it been hard to make that transition to where you're used to, you know, being so involved in one specific area and now you've sort of had to take a more broad approach to everything? Uh, no, it hasn't been difficult. I've I've had to continually remind myself of, to back off and, and, and let our coaches coach. Um, that's the number one reason why you hire these coaches is, because one, you, you trust what they're going to do on the field. You know they're good teachers, uh, and and they have the same values as you do. So uh, I'm excited with them. I, I need to continue to remind myself. Uh, <laughs> but if I can make things behind the scenes work smoother for our, our assistants, then I think we're we're all getting you know, or or we're, we're becoming more an efficient program. I was reading that you guys have, uh, you know, it, it, I guess it was a pre-existing policy that you've continued, but. 
you know, the players are, are not allowed to wear national championship apparel around campus. And that's something that's continued since you've taken over too. Why has that been such an, an important part of your program, kind of setting that precedent? Well, I think it's it, it goes back to just staying hum, humble and, and trying to, you know, maintain that hungry desire to continue to improve. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you're wearing those things, you start believing those things. Uh, we've tried to avoid that feeling that we've arrived or, man, we are, are as a team, we've made it. Um, we, we, we continually challenge our kids to, to find little things to continue to improve. And, and that's just one of the maybe, you know, some people might think it's it's kind of silly, but uh, our, our kids, you know, you never see it in the weight room. You'd rarely ever see anything like that around our offices. Maybe if you catch them off campus, they might have something on. But we, we're always concerned about the next year. The 2018 season was unbelievable and, and, and was one to remember. But it's all about 2019, and that's a different group of faces and, and people in that, in that team right now, and, and that's the most important team that we, we have. What's been the biggest thing that Chris Kleiman taught you about running a successful football program? That it's all about the players, and uh, it's okay to love your players, and, and, and I think the players understand my connection to them. Uh, having been here for a number of years, I've been here th- for as long as all these kids have been recruited and have a, have a good relationship with, with especially the defensive group more so and trying to uh, cultivate that relationship with the offensive guys. But, you know, you, you go as your players go in this profession, and I, I, I truly believe this is a player-driven program, and, and because of that, we've had a ton of success. From observing you sort of from afar, since since I don't live there in town, the, the one thing I've noticed is that you're a guy that really seems to kind of wear his heart on his sleeve. And so why why does that ability to be vulnerable, especially with your players, really resonate as a head coach? Well, I think they just know that you're real then. And they know that you're speaking from the, from the heart when you address your players or address your staff. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I sometimes probably don't like that I have such a heart on my sleeve mentality or, or personality, but it, it's just the way I am. And, and people know that I care uh, a ton about them. Yeah. How often do you still talk to Coach Kleiman? Probably once a week or so. Okay. Uh, my, my son's actually going down to his football camp next weekend. Oh, nice. Down at Kansas State. So, uh, uh, no, our families stay in touch routinely. Yeah. What was the most memorable part of your guys' visit to the White House earlier this spring? Well, I think the, the number one thing that I, I would remember or think about is is I probably had a, an expectation level that was, was high and it just got blown out of the water. It, it, it exceeded my expectations. And, uh, you know, with the president spending, you know, an hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes with the team, providing lunch right there in the White House, uh, but also then allowing every member of the travel party to go into the Oval Office was was outstanding. I mean, you think about just the the other historical figures that have walked through the Roosevelt Room and into the Oval Office uh, is was surreal uh, to sit there and, and know that some of the greatest documents in the world have, have sat in that room or the greatest people in the world have sat in that room as well. Was the Oval Office part of it, was that something that you guys knew going into it, that you were going to get access to that part of the White? Because that's not that's not pretty typical that a team gets to go to actually go into the Oval Office. No, that was a, uh adjustment to the itinerary on the fly. And okay. so uh, uh, we got to see the, the staff of the White House scramble uh, <laughs> nice. 
then to, to have everything prepared. But uh, that was off the cuff, and uh, it was it was a great day. And then you know uh, the the representatives from the state of North Dakota took unbelievable uh, great care of us throughout the day. We got to go into the Senate building. We went in the Capitol, had a tour, and and it was it was an all around unbelievable. 24 hours, really, because it was a it was a 4 a.m. till about midnight type of day. Wow, your team it's well traveled. You obviously Frisco is like a second home for for you guys. But what do you think it was about the trip to Washington that really resonated and stuck with the players? Well, I think one, we had 108 players go, and and everyone on the team went, and uh, uh, it was an outstanding experience. It was one of those opportunities where all our seniors from last year came back. Nice. So we got a one last celebration for the 2018 team, but it was the kickoff for the Matt Ents slash 2019 team coming up. And uh, I think that was, you know, anytime you can you can spend time with your teammates, uh, you, you're going to become closer. You're going to get to know each other better. And I think both those things tend to lead towards better production. What do you consider the biggest factor in developing Bison football players into championship caliber contenders? Well, I think it's the young kids understanding and and realizing what the expectations are here. And as, as the sooner we can get young kids to buy in to some of the traditions and some of the expectations, the, the better experience they have. It, it's the few that come here with, you know, thinking that football is going to give, give, give. Well, you got to give a little back to it as well. We, 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 we pride ourselves on finding recruits that are, one, smart, two, tough, and three, athletic. And, and we, they need to, we need to find them in that order because that's what it takes. We need guys who love football here. Uh, everyone loves to play on Saturday, but we're looking for guys that appreciate the process of the hard work that goes into it. Having said that, you know, let's just take the, the last – the last class of seniors that you were just talking about, you had a chance to come in with them when they were freshmen and watch them evolve and mature. And so how many of, of, for example, that class really grew up before your eyes, you know, maybe didn't come in with all the things, the mentality that you're talking about, but it it evolved quickly. A a number of them did. I mean, you just look at, uh, you know, on defense last year, two of our seniors, Aaron Steidel and and Levi Jordan, both came in as walk-ons. And at the end, they were captains, and 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 they weren't walk-ons, of course, anymore. They guys, those guys were on, you know, full scholarships. And so you see, from a developmental standpoint, athletic standpoint, and football understanding standpoint, those guys grew immensely. But there's other guys who come in and and they maybe have tr- struggles in the academics, or you know, because they're away from home. But uh, it is fun to see them all transition and then to buy into what we're trying to do here at NDSU and then graduate at the same time. What's the trait that you feel like the North Dakota State football staff has really cultivated that's most responsible for the program's ongoing success? I want to say pride and conditioning. I think we have an unbelievable high level of pride within the program. And, and when I talk pride, I'm talking about understanding the history of the program playing because of the guys who've played before us and the guys who will play in the future. Uh, but making it more important about the guy next to me than it is myself. And then I think what we do in the, in the off season and in the weight room with Jim Kramer, our strength coach, separates us from, from most other teams in the country. You hear so much about how you guys are, are a really process-oriented program and 
you know, that that really defines Bison football. But what's unique specifically about about your process compared to, you know, in other successful programs like uh, Alabama or Clemson or, or say the New England Patriots or something like that? Well, I think one of the ways we go about our practice structure, uh, I think, is unique out there these days. Uh, we, we double rep at practice. And so well, we're, we're having almost probably about 80 percent of our roster getting reps at the same time. Very little standing around at practice. And I think that does allow us, one, to continue to develop kids that are at a faster rate than maybe if they only had three or four snaps during the course of the day. But also keeps kids invested because they never know when I might be the next guy that, you know, there, there's there's injuries in this game. And, and we've had our fair share of them. But I can think of the Easton Sticks, the Nick DeLucas, the guys who've had injuries in front of them on the depth chart and, and, and stepped up and, and had big games for us, made big plays for us and, and allowed our program to continue to move forward. How much do you think that impacts, you know, it, it can be such a transfer happy place in college athletics and in general anymore. The fact that you guys are doing double reps and so the, those players that maybe aren't going to see the field or see extensive playing time till they're a junior or senior, um, but they're they're staying with it. They're not, they're opting not to transfer because they maybe are seeing the, the reps in practice at least. Well, I think there's a, a huge uh, component of what you're you know talking about when when the kids know that one the coaches have an investment in them and are creating a relationship with them and there's value to yourself. Then why would you want to leave? Um, but you know, there, it is a, it's a transfer happy, uh, you know, environment that we live in right now or, uh, in, in college football. And we're fortunate that we, 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 don't deal with that very often. Our kids want to be here. They want to develop. Um, and we're, we're going to recruit 99.9% of our kids are out of high school. We're going to develop them and try to maximize their potential in four or five years. How does your family, your wife, Brenda, and your, your sons, Kellen and Connor, shape your coaching style? <laughs> uh, you know, probably with, with my boys, um, since when they were born, probably I looked at it as I want to be someone that I hope they would play for someday, meaning I, I hope the things that, that I represent, my values, my work ethic – would be who they're looking to play for someday. So, and that probably hit me, you know, when I became a dad, and uh, then the, the job became a little bit more important. The development aspect of it. It wasn't all about X's and O's. Yeah. Uh, if kids know that you care about them. They're going to give you a little bit more out there. Uh, and and probably just you know, with my wife Brenda, she's unbelievably supportive. Um, she does a lot of the little things that, as as you can imagine, this job takes a lot of time. Uh, you're, you're spending. Uh, oodles of time raising and, and mentoring a hundred other kids that sometimes you just don't are, aren't where you need to be all the time. And, and she does a great job of being supportive and, and uh, keeping me, you know, organized too, uh, from that standpoint. How do you measure success as a, as a husband and father? Probably just seeing my kids smile, seeing them in, enjoy life. Uh, seeing them be with their friends, little leadership things that I can notice. Uh, you know, when, when they're, you know, they, they're both baseball, basketball, football guys, but, but you can see them uh, trying to cheer, give motivation to other people. I, I see that as positive. Doing well in the classroom uh, without having to dad or, or mom, <laughs> you know, have to, you know, push them along, but they, they see the importance of an education. 
You guys open the season at Target Field versus Butler on August 31st. And I know the the Fargo Dome in itself is a special place to play, but what are you looking forward about the opportunity to play there in, in the Twin Cities? Well, the Twin Cities are probably the, the home to uh, as many alumni as there NDSU alumni as there is anywhere. Uh, and in the state of Minnesota has been so important to us from, from a recruiting standpoint for years uh, I, I think the last number I got, almost half our team is from the state of Minnesota. Mm. So th- this is going to be an unbelievable opportunity. A couple of weeks ago, we had a chance to go down and they uh, they honored us for winning the national championship. And to see the stadium when it was only maybe half full, to know that this thing's going to be full of green and gold will be a special day and, 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 and one that I know a lot of Bison fans won't forget. And you got to throw out the first pitch, correct? I did. I did get to throw out the first pitch. Was it a strike? I might have been a little high, but uh, <laughs> it was at least over the plate, and uh, he didn't have to leave. It was easily caught. Okay. It, what did your boys say about it, your son? Dad, don't embarrass us, please. <laughs> nice. Uh, who were some influential coaches in your evolution You know, up the ladder? I know, I know Bob Nielsen comes to mind as somebody that has made an impact on you. Uh, he, uh, Bob is uh, an extremely important person in my life and uh, uh, having the opportunity to play for him, uh, worked with him for a year was, was unbelievably uh, educational for me uh, as, as far as my development goes. So, uh, of course, Bob Nielsen was critical. Chris Kleiman, uh, the last five years working with him. But then we also had a relationship prior to that at another institution. And yeah. so uh, that history goes back. Mark Farley. Uh, who's another, you know, Missouri Valley football coach, gave me my first opportunity at, at the FCS level. And so, you know, I, I, I do owe a lot to him as well. Um, so I've, 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 it, I've been surrounded by great coaches my whole career. And, uh, you know, I, I hope I can pay it forward by being a great head coach to some of these young coaches we have here. How has your time, you know, the stops you had briefly at Western and then obviously at Northern Iowa, how has that helped you now at North Dakota State being in the Valley and coaching against those guys? One, you have just great familiarity with everywhere you're going to go travel wise. uh, You understand who you're recruiting against uh, uh, because you've you've just seen it. Um, But at the same time, both those both those uh, opportunities and positions there provided me with a, a, a ton of uh, knowledge and, and background. So you can make some de- decisions here as a head coach, or you have some other thoughts, maybe other alternative or ways that have, I've seen it done before. And you can take the good and the bad and try to do it the best way that fits into the NDSU me- method. You're very active on social media. And uh, how has that evolved throughout the course of your career? And why do you feel that it's so important, especially in today's recruiting age? Well, I think, you know, in, in today's recruiting age, everything's a 30-second word. And, you know, that, that, that's that's the attention span that, unfortunately, I have two teenage boys. I see it every day. And I, I think that that can grasp people. They see it. Uh, you know, we, we, can, we can recruit a large group and just by – getting something out there on social media. We can keep our fans involved. We can keep our all the recruits involved. We can keep our alumni involved because they like to follow kind of what we're doing from a recruiting standpoint. So we're just using, we're just taking advantage of, of the tools that we have and trying to use social media in a positive aspect uh, to reach our, our top recruits.
What are a few things that you've identified as the most important areas heading into the summer? You know, I know you have limited limited contact, obviously, with the the summer workouts and your players in that stretch. Well, one, we got to continue, you know, through get stronger, you know, injury prevention, and that'll be Coach Kramer, of course. But you know, I, I think from a from a football standpoint, we're going to have twenty five freshmen come in to uh, Fargo this summer, and you know, for those guys to be able to get acclimated, get transitioned into football, because there's going to be two or three of them in there that are going to be able to help us. And with this new redshirt rule and being able to play four games, I think it's critical that we can get a, a jump start on their development and see who can provide us with four games and who can provide us with even more games. Uh, so this summer will be critical for our young guys. Um, and then with our captain's practice that, that our upperclassmen run is, is just Keep the playbook, keep the keep the, the, the play calls fresh. So when we get back into fall camp, we're not stepping backwards, but we're, we're, we're taking off from where we left off this spring uh, will be critical. And, and to continue to always work on our communication and always continue to create depth. I noticed in spring ball, you know, one thing you really tried to cultivate is is making guys comfortable with being uncomfortable. And is that something that you've really brought to the team or is that something that has continually existed in this program? I think it's continually existed in this program. And, you know, just by providing a little adversity to our kids. make We want Saturdays to be as easy, the easiest days of the week. Well, how do you do that? Well, you, you provide some adversity throughout the course of the week. And we did that by maybe moving a couple players around here or there. Um, you know, we, we, we tried some different position changes with, with some kids that were really good football players. Well, you know, if, if when they're comfortable in their spot, how do you make them uncomfortable? Give them some, a new set of stimulus out there and, and, and make them see the game from a different position. And I thought it was positive for, for all the young men that we did that. But we needed to continue to grow. And we didn't want to go through the motions. And so that was kind of my, my thought process with, with keeping them you know, uncomfortable throughout spring. Tell me something that you are most looking forward to this summer unrelated to football. Unrelated to football. Probably the amount of baseball games that I'll get to go to. Uh, I played baseball through high school, kind of stepped away from it or, or got away from it because of the profession. And, and now I have two boys that play baseball. And so uh, I've become a huge baseball fan again. And uh, uh, my oldest son is is living a dream with how good the twins are right now. Yeah. And uh, uh, but to get out and see those guys play and compete, uh, I enjoy that. Uh, this will be the first summer that both my boys will be at football camp here at NDSU. Nice. So to have opportunity to see them grow and, uh, and, and, and to go through those moments of, of being a young football player and, and improving your skill. Finally, I wanted to ask you, what's a, a motto or a quote that you try to live by? I think the one that people have seen is, is keep swinging. Um, and and I, I, I just... You got to keep keep going to work every day. Uh, you know, there's going to be moments of adversity. You're going to get knocked down, but you got to get back up and and, and keep moving forward. Uh, you know, so that's probably. I think I got it from uh, Matthew seven seven, uh, a little scripture there. That was probably be the one that stuck with me personally the longest. Well, Coach, anything that you would like to add that I haven't asked you? No, uh, I appreciate it. You've been extremely thorough today. I was. Uh, Ryan was sitting. I didn't know what to expect with this uh, interview today. Yeah, I try. I try and do my research, but I. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate the time and uh, I'm looking forward. I know we have your guys' game for the, the Valley football uh, broadcast when you go to Youngstown this year. So look forward to, to visiting more in person there. Definitely, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of LightUpMedia.fm.